Yes, Wall Street has a day, some days up, some days down, but how about your holiday spending? What is your plan for that? Is it up or is it down? How will the realities of shopping play out? You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Nathan Beckrag, along with Amy Wagner. All right, listen, forget the hubbub of the news for a minute. It is really easy to spend more than you planned over the holidays. Well, there's your plan for what you're going to spend. And it's really easy if someone asks you in September, October, hey, you know, uh, we're in a pandemic right now. I'm going to spend less this year. And then there's the reality. You're bored. Pandemic fatigue is setting in. You've been all over Amazon 85 times. And as you're doing your online shopping, there's just a few extra things that you're going to pick up for yourself. Well, here's what the study says. A bank rate study says 33% of you say you're going to spend less on the holidays than last year. Uh, 22% of you, though, said the same thing last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, way to go, Pinocchio. Uh huh. So the the road to a big... Credit card bill in January is paved with lies, damn lies, deception. And kids. Uh, oh, because yeah, it's oh, much harder. It turns out, really, the people who make the plan for holiday shopping and actually stick to it, um, you know, they don't have children. It's the ones who have children who say, you know what, I realize I don't have the money this year, but I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make my children's holidays happy, and I will go into debt for that. Oh, I know you're right, because listen, talk, here, here's a simply money gross generalization. People who have come into my office over the years who were married and have no kids and tell me about all the great trips that they took. And how much money they've saved. And how much money they have in a bank account. Yeah, they, when yes. they're in the, oh, sure, oh, when they're in their mid-40s. I'm, and I'm, I'm like, no fair. I have a competitor, a competitor, he's a friend, but I have a friend in business. And he's always done better than me. We get together at conferences every year, and I go, how you doing? And he says to me this and that. And finally, I realized one time, he's cheating. He doesn't have to go home at night and do any homework. He doesn't have to listen to, to, to temp, temper tantrums. It's absolutely cheating when you don't have kids. I say that with all loving kindness because I got three of them. Maybe that's why I'm still working. I don't know. Okay, so parents with kids, you're going shopping, and uh, you're all ready to use the credit card? Well, parents with children under 18, so 46 percent, and those who are already in credit card debt, 48 percent, are the most willing to take on either more debt, uh, take on debt for the first time, or go deeper into it this holiday season. And, and, you know, I I do understand, because sometimes we can tell you all day long what makes the most sense financially, but there's a psychology that's also part of this, too. You've had a rough year. You know, maybe you didn't go get to visit uh, Grandma and Grandpa over no, the summer. you didn't or get to the, visit anybody. Yeah, or take the family trip, right? So you feel like the kids have missed out on the things that you would usually do. You didn't feel comfortable taking them to Kings Island or whatever it is. And maybe you feel like, oh, I just want to make it up this holiday season. And so it's really easy to say, my hours were cut back, I was furloughed for a few months, and we did get behind, whatever it is. So you have the financial situation, but you also have a very emotional situation. I think this year... Emotions are probably higher than we've ever seen them before. And so as you plan on spending less, what do you do? I mean, I, we know, uh, you know, there's the story of people who take Ambien and, and then they go sleepwalking and, you know, clean out their refrigerator. In this case, you're wide awake and you stumble into wherever you have your laptop or your computer or your uh, mobile device and you start shopping. 
Well, and this is where I would say know yourself, right? What are the temptations that you have? What are the rabbit holes that you fall into with spending more money than you need to? We were having a conversation yesterday with um, our media team, our All Worth media team, and someone brought up this website never heard of, Bid FTA. And there are all kinds of things that you can bid on online. And so we were talking about it. And then the next day someone said, well, did anyone go on that website and look at it? And I said, I did not because... I'm going to admit to you, when everything but the house first started, I would get sucked onto that site for hours. And I would get into bidding war with wars with people, um, and, and it would bid the price up beyond what I would pay for it if it was brand new. So I've kind of learned those are not the kinds of sites where there's bidding, where there's adrenaline, uh, where you feel like you're going to beat someone out at something. I can't do it. And, and yeah. if you've got something like that, you know, you know, Nathan, you know, you have a bit of an Apple addiction. Maybe you stay away from a Apple bit, if you're trying not bit? to spend. Yeah, yeah. I, whenever I go to Apple.com, you can just hear ching ching in the background. I don't even want to ask you what bid FTA, what the initials stand for. But what I will tell you about stress spending is that you actually do it for a reason uh, that's counterintuitive to what you might think. You, you know, your world is crazy. And you're buying something is where you get to make the decision. Thus, you get a sense of control mm -hmm. as you're taking three steps backwards financially. One thing, though, at least according to some research that is good news, is you aren't buying big ticket items to deal with this crazy time. Well, I've found that two thirds of you said you've spent less than 150 bucks on comfort buying during this pandemic although I, i'm gonna i'm gonna pull a pinocchio on that one as well uh because when you think about the fact that we've been in this since march you know i i bought a couple of those plastic pools at one point right and then you know and then another point i went ahead and caved and let my son get one of those gaming headsets because he couldn't be around people as much and if you add it all up over the course of you know several several months I'm going to bet, if you're honest with yourself, it's maybe even more than 150 bucks. All right, here, I'm, I'm going to give you another one. My mother, may she rest in peace, lived to 98 years of age. And I will tell you, for the last 15 years, whenever you would look at her calendar, her day timer, yeah, paper, it would be, today we're going to Dr. So-and-so's. Tomorrow, we're going to go have our eyes examined. The next day, we're going to the dentist. She had a doctor's appointment every day. Maybe that's why she lived to 98. Maybe it was because her mother lived to 104 and it wouldn't have mattered. But for you, you know what this could mean? It could play out to, oh, has the Amazon person showed up yet? Or you wave at the shift driver um, or, or the Uber Eats person coming by. It's actually, I know it sounds strange. It's, it's, it almost sounds like, are you kidding, Nathan? No. Human interaction, even at six feet sometimes, when you've been inside all day with your kids, Oh, hi, how are you? Because look, think about the relationship you had at work before the pandemic with the UPS drivers. They, everybody, they were on a, we, we knew our driver on a first yeah, name absolutely. basis. I mean, Marco was the best. I mean, he was, a, he was a piece of bright light, sometimes in the middle of dreary days. Well, and you know, that's such a great point that you make because it's funny that now that I think about it, I've had more conversations with people who have actively talked about tracking Amazon packages than ever before. It used to be you order something from Amazon and then it showed up. You know, maybe you got an email, but people actually on it several times throughout the day to see its every movement were bored. 
We need a little excitement, and if that excitement is an Amazon package, it's really whatever works for you at this point. You just have to understand, when you look at your overall budget, is is this kind of way to keep yourself occupied and busy um, really the best thing for your money? And really kind of know where your pitfalls are. I think that's a great way of doing it. If you have found yourself, though, kind of falling into that hole where you're ordering things online, then you get them and you're like, why did I even order this? Try this little Simply Money rule. Put it into the cart. Go ahead. If that makes you feel good, put it in the cart. But then hold off for 24 to 48 hours. And a couple of things can happen here. One, that retailer might send you an email and say, hey, you know what? We noticed you were looking at this, but you didn't pull the trigger. You didn't buy. Here's 10%, 20%, whatever it is off. Or 24 hours from now, when you really think about it, you might say, oh, I didn't need that wall projector or whatever it was that seemed so pressing at the time. Now that I think about it, what what the heck would we do with it anyway? You know? Uh, sure. And I will tell you, it happened to me last night. I was looking for some uh, face masks and I loaded it up and then I realized how much it was. And I went, I, I saw that there was a place and I love this. You know, when there's the place when you're shopping online that says apply the discount code. And you spend a few minutes looking around. You can't find discount code. You go. That's I guess why I'm... you need that browser, honey. Well, but here's the deal. We'll I feel like the big. You. I feel like the big dope. You please do. I feel like the big dope. And so I said, well, I don't have a discount code, and it's late at night. Screw it. So uh, as I'm getting to bed, email pops up from uh, Honest PPE. It's called, I guess. And they said, uh, hey, uh, your cart's filled up. And so now I'm going to email them back and go, yeah, but like, what's the discounts? What's the promotion? <clears throat> that I am missing out on because I would love uh, to take advantage. Now, as we talk about spending money, though, let's very clearly state we have an opinion here at Simply Money about what is good debt and what is bad debt. And as long as you know the two, you can pretty well navigate any purchase and understand whether we're going to frown or smile when the next time we see you. So using a credit card isn't bad, but we would say carrying a balance from month to month is an example of bad debt. Good debt, however, something like your mortgage or a business loan, things that help make your life better. And I understand you think that whatever you just purchased from Amazon is something that's going to make your life better, but a true investment. Uh, you know, good debt is also uh, college education, things like that that will truly help you better yourself in the future. And when we say refinance your mortgage, you're probably saying, oh, God, does Nathan, did you have to say that again, refinance your mortgage? Run the numbers. Because right now it's estimated that 17 million of you could save over $200 a month. That's 2400 bucks a year. Figuring you're in a 30% tax bracket, that's actually $3,600 a year that somebody's willing to put in your pocket. Now, listen, if you don't need... $3,600, don't take the advice. I can, I'm fine, but you know, it's not you my- You got 30, money coming out your ears? Don't do it. Yeah, it's not my $3,600. But unless somebody else is going to walk up uh, or pull up next to you, and you, if you're stuck in traffic, you go, hey, I got 3600 bucks for you. Would you like it now, or do you want to wait 25 years and just keep paying that every month and every week and every year? So there's the deal. Sit down and look at refinancing Run the numbers, and if you, it doesn't matter what the recovery period is. If it's six months, 12 months, 14 months, if it's enough for you to say, okay, well, that's worth it, go through the expense, refinance the mortgage, and start putting the money when it shows up in your pocket, automatically put it away. If you do number step number one, refinance, without doing step number two, putting the money away in a Roth IRA or someplace where you can't get your hands on it for 20 or 30 years, well, then it will have been a good idea we had 
you'll enjoy maybe life a little better along the road, but I promise you, you won't miss it. But someday, if you retire without it, you certainly will. Here's the simple money point. This year, it is easier than ever to be overspending. Set a budget, have some financial conversations with your family, and don't go into debt for holiday gifts. So, would you go to a restaurant if it didn't have a dining room? Not, not Just maybe a, you know, a window in the wall. That's it? Well, we'll find out how you feel about that just ahead in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Silly Money. I'm Nathan Bagrack along with Amy Wagner. If I was channeling my inner Jack Nicholson, I would say from the officer and the gentleman, you can't handle the truth. You no, that the wasn't truth? it. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, you can't handle the truth. Well, here's some stone cold truth about retirement coming right at you at 6.53. So thinking about when and where you're going to get dinner. Yep. Boy, it wasn't for takeout. I tell you, I would be uh, really climbing the walls. But takeout, as you know it, may be sort of different. Yeah, what about a restaurant without a dining room where you can't even order in person? This is something that Chipotle is actually testing. It's a digital-only restaurant in New York. But, you know, they say they're testing it here, and I would argue that they've already tested it uh, in, in the tri-state. So when, when this pandemic first started, maybe about, like, two months in, I was like getting kind of a Chipotle craving Mm -hmm. and so went to a store not too far from my house and walked in and they said, no, 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 you can't come in here. You have to order it online. So order it through the... Yeah. Order it through the app, and then you have to go through the drive-through so that you're never going through the store. And I think what Chipotle learned during this pandemic is they may not need as large of a physical presence as they have for some of their stores, which is beneficial for a number of reasons. One of them, of course, you're going to pay less for rent. You can get in some really high-rent districts, you know, make a lot of money on carryout, but not have to pay a ton in rent at the same time. So uh, it's, you know, for me, I think it, it would be great if they had the apps where I had a, a, a fake, you know, a, a hologram of a person. And as I could walk, you know, if, don't give me a menu. Just let me have a picture. And there's the guy with the first, you know, do I want chicken? Do I want pork? Do I want beef? And I would see these hands and then I would see the hands moving down. Why don't you just visually take me down the process? I promise you I'll get through quicker. Because they'll just go, that, that, yes, no, maybe lots of that, none of that. Oh, an extra scoop. Thank you very much. And then I've gotten my caloric intake for the next three days. You know, it's not, though, just restaurants. Um, Actually, Kroger has done this first. Uh, They converted one of their stores in Mount Carmel to pick up only uh, when all this started back in March. So you couldn't go in the store. All you could do was click list. So as we talk about uh, things that you can do or not do uh, with the pandemic, one of the things that you can do is get a little bit smarter as we go to Simply Money University about a phrase. And the phrase you're going to hear, and you've heard it before, is efficient markets. And the concept would be that investors, since there are so many of them looking at stocks on Wall Street every day, ultimately determine what is exactly the best price for that company and not a penny more and not a penny less and if you believe that, I got a bridge across the Ohio that looks a lot like the Brooklyn Bridge. But the theory is that so many people are looking at a stock that eventually they get to what is the right price. And so it's as a result of that, it's hard for you to beat the street. 
This is called the efficient market hypothesis, which essentially says, okay, there's so many investors looking at this that we're using all of the information available, right? Everything that's on the website, all of the financials, everything you can possibly know about this company, that if you were wrong about the price of it, um, you're either, this is either because if you're, it's either because of luck or you have some kind of inside information that everyone else doesn't have privy to. Yeah, you're not allowed to have that information, by the way. So if you do, throw it away. Don't tell anybody. And do don't not email, make a move. No emails, no text. Don't send it to me. I don't want to know from it. Look, Pfizer is bopping along. We already knew they were working on a vaccine. So why should we be surprised when all of a sudden one day they say they're getting 90% effectiveness and markets go, oh, my gosh. Look what Pfizer has. Well, we knew Pfizer had it. It was just a question of when. Why, since when was this a surprise? I don't know. But all but of a sudden. it's new information, right, that, that came out. The interesting thing, though, is, of course, it didn't just affect Pfizer's stock, right? So maybe you could have said, well, we knew Pfizer was going to do well because they were a front runner in developing this vaccine. But let's look at some of the other winners and losers when this vaccine news came out. Uh, the winners were businesses that cannot work still if you cannot be face-to-face, -face, right? You're not going to go into a movie theater. AMC stock was up on the result as a result of this vaccine news because it looked like that sooner than later, maybe people could get back into uh, movie theaters. Uh, Macy's did well. United Airlines, you can start traveling again. On the flip side, there were companies that did not fare so well. Yeah. But I got to go back to Pfizer for a minute because it's just it's so perfect because, you know, you're you may be going, oh, boy, why didn't I buy, buy Pfizer? I knew it. Well, somebody bought Pfizer a couple of days before the announcement. Uh, and guess who that was? The CEO. And when they started to raise questions about uh, is this insider trading? Here was the defense. You ready for this? Buckle your. Make sure your seatbelt is buckled. I know some of you don't like to do that, but as you're driving home, please buckle your seatbelt because here is the news. The CEO said, "Well, if you take a look at all the news that was public, mm -hmm, and all the trials that we got the results for, there was nothing new that came out when we finally said we are at ninety percent. It's like uh, I was just acting on public information now." Hmm. You know that bridge I was going to tell you about? I'm going to sell you that one again. This time we're going to sell it to the CEO of Pfizer. I mean, you're getting, he'll get the, the Simply Money Pinocchio Award. because I you think, think, the no Brent, you think that bridge was the Brent Spence at this point, right? Yeah, he can't keep his head up. That's how long his nose is. But the fact is, most of that information was already available. It was already out there. And the decision whether to buy that stock or not... You know, uh, you either did or you didn't a long time ago for a lot of reasons. So uh, the other thing about efficient markets, which, you know, ultimately they are, but it's like batting averages. They can go on a, hit, uh, a hitting streak. So Pfizer right now is the Joey Votto of stocks, and then they could go into a slump. And the next thing you're going to, you know, want to throw them off the team. And in the end, what happens is, well, markets can be efficient and can be inefficient. They always wind up coming back to the average. And you trying, and, and when you get 500 or 1,000 stocks, if you want to play games, you're more than happy to do that. If you want to buy five or six stocks and hope that you got the five or six, they're going to do better than everybody else, that's great. But keep in mind who the competition is when you're doing that. Well, and I think the interesting thing, too, as you think about this, is we've had so many cases this year of ways that the market, you would have thought it was going to go one way, 
and it didn't. And so you've got really, really smart people on Wall Street who are get you know bukus of bucks. They have got their Harvard degrees. They spend their days in numbers and looking at all the financials of all these companies. And yet when they're put up against just what the market does on average, about half the time they beat the market. Here's the thing. Half the time. They don't. So by looking at markets this way and saying, I'm going to assign some rationale to it, good luck with that. Yeah, and markets make no sense. They just average out over time. Hard to beat the street. If you could do it, you'd be the first. So how are small businesses adapting and surviving right now here in the Tri-State? We'll look at one just ahead in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money Tonight. I'm Amy Wagner. In this time of a global pandemic, many businesses had to we use the word pivot over and over again. Pivot and pivot and pivot. One of those actually joined us in the very early days of everything getting started in March. Becky Allen Barber, a hairstylist in northern Kentucky. Uh, you talked about, I remember this so uh, so vividly, Becky. You talked about packing up everything that you had that you needed to, to do people's hair uh, into your car in driving away and not knowing when you were going to be able to do that again. Yes, yes. That, that will probably be something that will stick with me the rest of my life for sure. Well, catch us up. What has happened since then? Obviously, you're back to work now. Yes. Uh, we were actually able to open on Memorial Day, surprisingly. I ended up waiting for a week and start back June 1st. And in um, the midst of all that, I decided to switch to a salon concept suite for privacy and for the safety of my client. So in the middle of everything, I was switching to a new salon also back in May. And you made so that, that decision was- because of what's going on? Definitely, definitely. Just because I was in a very small salon with six stylists, and I, you know, this way I have control of my own cleaning. I know my clients. It's hard to trust other people's clients to know whether they're going to come in healthy, whether they're going to, you know, come in just because they want to get their hair done. So it was very, it was a very tough decision, but it was the smartest thing, I think, at this point with all of the restrictions we had. And so how is it going? Have you had any issues, any clients coming in who were sick, anything like that? No, actually, it's kind of funny because I was just talking to another stylist friend. Right now, we're running into the cancellations, which November and December are usually our busiest months out of the year. And so we're now getting actually people calling us, you know, my, my child tested positive or we're in quarantine because somebody at the school had it. So we're starting to get a lot of last-minute cancellations of people that are trying to keep us safe by not coming in, but it's also affecting us financially because those are people that you were planning to have before the holidays. You know, it's such a great point because as we've talked about, you know, this as it's all unfolded, there's two very different things at odds with each other, right? Making sure that we keep each other safe at the same time, people being able to make money. Uh, And those two things have been very much at odds with each other. Um, Do you feel like you've come out of the worst of it or do you feel like there's still a lot to recover here? Oh, there's, I definitely think this is going to be years of recovery for all of us in the salon industry for sure. And going back to those early days, and this is a more of a lighter question, Becky, um, did you have at-home haircuts that you had to fix? I mean, that, that had to be a pretty steady business in the beginning, right? <laughs> oh, definitely, in the very beginning. And surprisingly, it was a lot of my men. I <sighs> thought for sure wives would be buzzing men's hair. It was a lot of my men that decided to let it grow out. Uh, so they came in very shaggy. It, it definitely, in the beginning, was 
fixing some at-home hair colors, fixing um, haircuts. It, it was a lot of regrowth of a lot of gray roots. There was a lot of people letting their gray grow out. So there was definitely, and there was a lot of people that just said, hey, perfect time to let my hair grow long. Let's try it and keep it that way. But it definitely, in the beginning, took more time to be fixing a lot of those those things that were done at home. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. Joining us, Becky Allen Barber. Trying to navigate as a small business owner during the best of times isn't easy, but certainly during this pandemic, so many small business owners have had to make changes and change and change again um, based on what's going on through this. Um, you know, Becky, as a stylist, you have to be really good with people's hair, but you also have to be really smart about your business. What are the things that, as you talk about the fact that you think we might be dealing with the repercussions of this for months, if not years? to come how are the ways that you're continuing to maybe tweak or change things in order to continue to be viable um, I, it just I, I think the biggest thing is I've just learned to take it day by day because it's if anything I learned during the pandemic you just never know and I feel like right now this business we just don't know so it's a lot of saving our money um, you know cutting back on things at home cutting back on stuff in the salon, maybe not buying as much stuff or trying to not use maybe as much color and wasting products, stuff like that. But I think the biggest thing is just having to let go of that anxiety of worrying about the future and just have to take it day by day because it changes. So everything's changing daily, it seems. Looking at your industry and how it has kind of had to change so much, when you look out into the future, is there anything that you anticipate long-term that you say, you know what, even after this is over, this will still be different because of this? Anything along those lines? I definitely think that we will have a lot of the um, the, the sanitizing, a lot of the cleaning. I, I honestly see, you know, a year or two from now, years from now, uh, the yeah. flu is having an outbreak in schools or something or, you know, COVID-19, I don't think it's going to necessarily go anywhere. I think we're going to still have touches of it here and there is, you know, maybe asking clients to put a mask on just for that visit or if they've been sick previous in the last couple of weeks. I definitely think now that we've done the mask thing that we will be able to say, hey, do you mind putting a mask on just for our, you know, safety during the height of flu season? Not going to be all the time. But I definitely see, um, you know, not having the a lot of people standing in a waiting room. I, I think the texting us when they get there, I, I think a lot of those things will be kept in place during the height of sick times. And that makes sense. And you know, you mentioned that maybe even in the future, um, if there is a flu outbreak or something, people putting masks on again. Have you had any issues? And I have heard some small business owners saying that, you know, someone coming in who doesn't feel like they need to wear a mask and then you're a business owner trying to enforce that. Has that been an issue at all for you? Uh, I mean, every once in a while, you'll get a few people that will say, can I take my mask off? And I simply say, do you want me to stay in business? Do you want your haircut? I, I think I have a little bit of that upper hand of, yeah. hey, do you want your hair done? We're in a store. They can't really say, do you want me to stay open? You know, right. um, I think I could kind of say to my clients, and I've said that to them, like, hey, you know, I don't make these rules, but if you want to keep getting your hair done, then I need you to put your mask on, and they'll immediately put it back on. I know that people don't like it. I don't like it either, but for me to stay open, I do what I have to do.
Yeah, you just have to speak up. And I think that's great that you have clients who you can do that too, and they'll still be loyal. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of small businesses that uh, don't necessarily feel as comfortable doing that. So I think it's great that you do. You know, as we talk about the fact that, you know, as we're talking right now, cases continue to rise here in the U.S. And we have talk of a vaccine, but nothing in place yet. Do you have any concerns about shutdowns in the future? Or do you think, uh, do you feel pretty confident that you'll be able to continue to operate the way things are right now? Um, I, I think that it's like just last week we had a rumor going around at possible salons. Uh, we tend to be put in with the bars. So I don't, you know, like those rumors will go around, we're getting shut down, we're getting shut down. I don't think that we're going to fully get shut down, but I do see restrictions coming back on us. I see, you know, I see these restrictions being in place for quite a while of, you know, not having people being able to gather in the salon in a waiting area, stuff like that. Um, I don't necessarily think that we'll get shut down, but again, I just have to go day by day because I don't, I never thought we'd be shut down to begin with. And and going back to that day when you, going back to that day, Becky, when you were shut down and, you know, talked about putting your stuff into the trunk and driving away to now, however many months later this is, um, what are the things that you take away as a business owner that, you, you know, you didn't anticipate certainly learning back in February, but that you would have during this time? to not take anything for granted. <laughs> I, I always said I, you know, I was always afraid of not being able to do hair because of something physically with me. I never thought that, honestly, when we did get shut down, we were planning to be back April 1st. I had never thought it would be for three months that we were shut down. So I think I've learned to not take for granted my business, uh, my clients, because I have lost clients that went somewhere else and found someone who could get them in quicker. So I think that it it kind of made us all step back a little bit and say, hey, you know, don't take this for granted because at any point it could be taken from you. Great perspective and great lessons learned. Becky Allen Barber joining us tonight, small business owners, stylists here in Northern Kentucky. Becky, we certainly hope that your business continues to build uh, throughout this time and hope only good things are ahead for you. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Nathan Backrack, along with Amy Wagner. So what happened to the art of the schmooze when all of a sudden you can't be next to the person that you would like to schmooze? Meanwhile, the king of schmoozers is talking right now, right? <laughs> um, I may retire that crown someday, but not in the near not future. Yet. We'll talk about schmoozing just ahead in 10 minutes. All right, so what are your retirement plans? 74% of workers today say that they plan to have a job in retirement. And we would say, no, 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 that's not retirement. That's just part-time work. Uh, This data, at least, according to a survey from the Employee Benefits Research Institute. Well, and there's a number of reasons why many of you say my plan for retirement is to work longer. Uh, One of them is you want to make up for limited savings. An estimated more than half, 53% of workers in their 50s, have less than $100,000 in retirement savings. This is according to a survey by TD Ameritrade. Uh, You know, so you're a decade away from retirement and you're realizing... I don't have enough to make it through maybe just a, a few years. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm just, I, my job isn't so bad. So maybe I'm just going to keep working right through retirement, never retire. Doesn't always so, work out that way. Though. So keep in mind, the reason that you're working longer is because you shorted your retirement contributions. Yes. All right. It's money in. It's just like computers. They say garbage in, garbage out. Same thing with your retirement. It's money in, money out. In fact, 
the phrase that the financial industry should pick up, should should adopt is this. When you meet somebody, you might go, okay, so how much of a retirement would you like to pre-purchase? You think about it with tuition credits. It used to be you could prepay tuition, and it, that was a great deal until the uh, state of Ohio figured out they were getting screwed because of the cost of uh, colleges going up a lot faster than they could grow the money. But just to ask yourself, how much retirement are you prepaying? Because that, and, and you, then you, we can talk about your motivations, but just keep that one back in mind because I know what you're going to say next. You go, oh, well, um, you know, I, I'm going to have lower Social Security benefits, so I, I got to offset those, right? Well, I like the fact that you say, how are you prepaying for retirement? Because picture it this way. If you had to put your lifestyle right now in line with a certain store, what would it be? Would it be TJ Maxx? Would it be Target? Would it be Macy's? Would it be Nordstrom? How are you living? And then General? ask yourself... Yeah, Dollar General, exactly. Then ask yourself, what kind of money am I putting away for retirement? Am I going to have a, a Macy's retirement, a Target retirement, or a Dollar General retirement? And if the way that you're living now is not the way that you have saved for retirement, um, then, then there needs to be a wake-up call. But here's another wake-up call I think that needs to happen. Your plan to work longer in retirement may not actually come to fruition. Yeah, and so let's define retirement it's the, it's the ability, if you are unwilling or unable to work, to continue to maintain your standard of living. That is being financially independent. We shouldn't even really call it retirement. We should say, how much financial independence are you buying? But one of the things that you're afraid of in retirement, because you haven't planned for it. Matter of fact, I would say anything you are afraid of as you get older is because you haven't planned for it. It would be that you're being bored. And I will tell you, when the pandemic started, all of a sudden, I'm listening to radio programs and I'm listening to podcasts and they're all saying one thing. They're going, well, you better make sure you keep yourself active because uh, uh, social inactivity is as dangerous to your health as morbid obesity. And I kept hearing that until often enough I said, you know, I better take some of these hobbies. I better pull out the old golf clubs or whatever the case may be. I got to find stuff to do when I'm no longer working for money. Otherwise, it's going to be deadly. Well, not only that, but you wouldn't be able to have the choice to retire because what we've seen during this pandemic is even before there were a lot of people who planned to work into their retirement who weren't able to, um, you know, your, your job lays you off, whatever, they're downsized. And then during COVID, what we saw when so many people were losing jobs, the, the people who were losing them at the, at the highest clip were those closer to retirement. So there's more people out of work closer to retirement than any other demographic. So this may not be something that you can control. So at this point, you have to understand you have to control what you can control. And make an emotional plan today. Because I promise you, if the boss comes in tomorrow and says... You know, it's been real, and, but it's not been that real. And uh, thank you. But and you're leaving real soon. Yeah, and, and, and there's a real door that you're about to walk through for the last time, all right? Those, of, those friends of yours that you have known, or maybe it's you who's gone through that circumstance, you know how it feels. And for some of you, maybe you were fortunate enough to have that experience earlier on, and that became kind of a, a like steel in a hot furnace. That's how you forged uh, and got a stronger sense of what you needed to do. Talk to someone who has successfully retired. Ask them what they did both before they retired and after they retired. And then ask them a few of the hard money questions. And if they'll share with you the finances of how they live their life and how they spend their money, maybe the best way that you can find out what your life will be like 
is by learning from someone else because I believe our generation learns best by imitation. So find somebody who's been successful with money. Imitate everything they do, every original thought you have when it comes to retirement will probably cost you time and money. Simply Money Point, view retirement as a time where work is an option, not an obligation. Well, did this pandemic kill small talk? Is the art of the schmooze dead? We'll talk about that Never. just ahead in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Nathan Backrack along with Amy Wagner. Hey, how you doing? What's new? Tell me about the kids. Yeah, really? You know, boy, the Reds. It's all schmoozing. It's the art of the schmooze. I think it was a dying art, and boy, did it get killed because now the, the time to have those little idle moments and talk with people and catch up. We also gather amazing amounts of data for which you can then kind of go, Hoo-hoo, boy, am I glad I'm not them, or vice versa. All of the schmoozing, boy, how do you schmooze when you can't look, when you look to your left and it's a wall and you look to your right and it's a door and then you look ahead and it's a two-dimensional version of somebody that you used to know? How the hell do you schmooze? Well, and, and can you schmooze with your spouse or your kids? Because that's really all you've got going these days. I think that's what we've, we've been doing that for a while. When we talk about, though, the schmooze, there is a reason why you want to be able to be good at it and be able to do it hidden jobs, jobs that are never, ever posted, which are often some of the best jobs out there, make up 80% of new hires. So if you're not able to schmooze, how are you going to be able to figure out where the jobs are and what, what you're going to do? You kind of have to build a network, and maybe some of that is a little virtual. Yeah, and I, I got a great um, – it was called the form method. All right, so if you say, well, I don't know, I always wind up with this dead silence, and then I don't know what to say, and then I say something stupid. Well, this, this would be me. Try the form method. Family, occupation, recreation. And then, you know, motivation or money, depending upon what your business is and what you're trying to accomplish. But, you know, try the form method and try to get the money or motivation for doing something last. Take an interest. I had a friend, David, greatest schmoozer I ever met. And David, I, we went to a dinner, we went to a party one night. At the end of the, the next day, I started meeting all of our friends who went, oh, I love David. His name was David Rich. Oh, I love David. So I started asking him, well, what is it about David that you like? And I came to realize what everybody liked about David was that David would ask everybody else about themselves and they would talk and he would ask questions and questions and questions. And they thought, he's taking such an interest in me. What a nice, and at the end of the night, he said, what do you think of David? What a nice guy. So try, I know this is going to be hard for a big mouth like me for you to believe. Actually try taking interest in the other person and asking them lots of questions and interacting with their answers. And you'll find that they think you're really wonderful when the evening is done and they may know no more about you than the evening started. Yeah, it's not always about you. But if it is, one of the things you can think about doing is sharing things that are personal about yourself. You don't always have to talk business. You don't always have to talk, you know, sports. You can say, uh, you know, my kids started riding a bike for the first time. We, we are open nest or we're empty nesters for the first time this year. Open yourself up to an experience that other person might have had as well. And then they jump right in. Yeah. And if you do that, you'll find that when you share parts of you, people will feel as if they know a little bit more about you. And the other side of it is let people know your story. People love to be part of a successful winning story. If you give them enough information, they'll subconsciously say, wow, how can I help this person moving forward? You find it may have fabulous results. You've been listening to Simply Monday right here on 55KRC, the 
Talk station.